0: we
1: Everybody, welcome again to the tri- <laughs> I was going to say to the Tri C, to the uh, what's the name? Snap, no tap podcast. I'm Tony Cicchini. We have, of course, the legendary Joe Cardinal, and again, a returning guest, Martin Witkowski, um, who is probably the only person I I know um, that their their native country actually threw a celebration party for him. The whole country. Uh, the day that he was leaving Poland, they celebrated. They thought it was a wonderful day when Martin um Martin left Poland. So yeah, that's uh maybe he could talk about that later when he's on. But right now he's he will be joining us shortly. <laughs> um yes, how are you doing, Giuseppe Cardinale?
2: I'm doing all right. So school's officially over, so I'm happy about that.
1: Let's get right into that because I know part of it. So Everybody's on, you know, pins and needles wondering how did you do on your test Monday for the EMT.
2: Oh wait, hold that answer. I'm going to suspend it because we've got yet another member joining the podcast. Oh my goodness. Yeah, this is going to be quite the party here. Well, so I don't want to
1: Oh, yes. I had to put my specs on to see him.
2: Hey, Brian. Can't hear you. You're muted.
3: Oh, there we go. Now we're good. Hey, I was saying, you can't see me yet. I wasn't, my, my uh, camera wasn't on, but here we are.
1: How are you doing, Brian?
3: Pretty well. Pretty well. Is that Mark Witkowski?
1: He's going to be on. Yeah, in yeah.
4: I, I'm on. And I just wanted to say that not only did they throw a party when I left, but Poland actually got rid of communism, increased their GDP, and became a member of uh, EU. So all kinds of good things happened after I left. Hey,
1: um, you just gave me an idea. What do you think of Russia? Because they're looking for people.
4: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, maybe
1: I can sink that ship. <laughs> yeah,
4: right. <laughs>
2: well, pretty good job on their own.
1: We just launched. Well, in that like, case,
3: huh? Yeah, Martin, don't leave. Don't leave the U.S. If that's what happens, basically. Well, things <laughs> improve when you leave. Maybe you should, I guess. If we think. Yeah, closer, I
4: think so. Right. 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 Well, I'm oh. going on vacation. Maybe things will improve while I'm gone. But you're no, not leaving saying, the country, but- are you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a short trip taking my kids to, to Europe because, frankly, oh, really? I think that it's going to be even more expensive to travel maybe next year. You know, maybe it will be completely unaffordable. Right now, I just have to mortgage my house.
1: <laughs> well, Martin or, uh, and, well, Brian, actually, we just started the show and we were going to dive into uh, Joe's little adventure with uh, his EMT training is officially over. Catch us, put us, you know, catch us up to, you know, what's going
2: on? Well, I I made all the appropriate payments. I paid off all the right people and I was able to pass the test and the class. So um, the next big step is going for the national test. So that'll be, I've got to get that scheduled. And there's a lot of, you know, bureaucratic things I have to, you know, I guess through the EMS system that I was trained in, I have to get like approved to take the test and then take the national test. So that's kind of the real final step. So I'm actually still kind of studying, uh, but I don't have to physically go to class anymore. So at a minimum, my schedule's opened up in that regard, but there's still one last hurdle to, uh, to being technically truly an EMT. So we'll see. That might be, and the, the tricky thing is, I'm not sure, I haven't heard back, we applied Thursday, because we as a class all went through online and registered to uh, get the approval for taking the test but I haven't heard back yet. So I'm not quite sure. So I'm kind of a little anxious because I'd be eager to take it just because while everything's still fresh in my head. Um, But uh, uh, we'll see. So news to come.
1: Well, we're all proud of you. Um, You know, most of us that know you didn't think you'd pass, but you did. Okay. And that's great news.
2: Well, a lot of the books have pictures, which is helpful for someone like me. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right, good. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I'm so, no, seriously, I knew you'd you'd ace it. Um, Good for you. So basically the whole class passed.
2: We had, well, so when we have a particularly large class. um, Normally the class size is pretty small. Some are like around, you know, under 20, usually like around 15 or so, but we had close over 30 initially starting. So, and um, we lost one or two. Um, but we had the highest, the largest graduating class uh, uh, that all these instructors could remember, actually. So, um, yeah, we kind of stood out in that regard because they, they they usually kind of like let more students in at, at the beginning because they're assuming there's, there's just natural attrition uh, from it. But uh, it didn't happen this time. So we had a really good class, a lot of good people in it. So and the instructors were awesome. I mean, that was by far the best part of it. Um, you know, getting their firsthand experience. thats uh, just, you know, uh, solid gold as far as information. So uh, the thing is, it's funny, because it's just really wet my whistle for it. I wish there was a way because the next step, you know, is you, you, most people go to paramedic school. But that's when it starts to get really intense, where you really almost have to be full, a full time student at that point, because you have to work multiple shifts, you know, like I had to do two ER shifts and two ambulance shifts. That's really just a drop in the bucket because like in the case of my shifts, I only saw a few things, you know, there's a lot of downtime if it was a slow day, Uh, but I forget how many hours they have to do for paramedics and they have to rotate through different uh, departments in the hospital. So it's a real commitment. And I think that goes at least 18 months. So it it would be a big step. And so obviously for my situation, because I already kind of have a career. Keep it. Yeah, exactly. Don't quit your day job. Don't ever even,
1: don't even think about it.
2: But uh, yeah, so it's unfortunate because it's, it's one of those things every step of the way. So, you know, I did the CPR class and I realized, well, that was a good intro, but I want to be better at this. I want to know more. And I, I keep feeling that each step I do, that's the way it is. It's like, yes, i definitely know more than I ever, you know, did from CPR or other things, but it's like, gosh, I'd like to be better. When I worked with the paramedics, I was just super impressed with their level of knowledge and skill set, And it's was like, gosh, I'd really like to have that. But yeah, I think I, I, logistically I can't figure out how to do that at the moment. So without, like I said, taking a, a significant pay cut for a while. so that's, that's yeah. a hard one to do.
1: You'll never make it up. Not at your age. Um, you just won't. So, I mean, trust me, I wouldn't have known this until I started looking and I've seen like police jobs with maximum age, 35 firefighters, maximum age, like 38 you wouldn't even probably be able to do it. You would, you could take some advanced or take some college courses deep, you know, like physiology or anatomy or, or something like, almost like pre-med classes. Right. Um, That may be an option for you, but right now there's look at Justin Brown that was on here. We had another gentleman friend of yours that they're, they're EMTs PM paramedics, but EMTs, with everything that my mom's was going through, there was never really a paramedic that came here. They were all EMTs. So, mm-hmm. you know what your knowledge is, is, is I know you have a thirst for more, but it's probably, probably pretty good. Keep, keep it up. We're proud of you.
2: Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, honestly. Well, go ahead.
3: Uh You had mentioned that your idea wasn't necessarily for a career change. It was just to assist if, you know, when the time comes, Uh is that right? And I, I think, if so, that's pretty relevant if you look at all the, you know, active shooter issues or just critical um, emergency things that have occurred even in recent times. We talk more about that.
2: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, that was definitely my motivation. Um, you know, I was never looking for a career change per se uh, this far along in the game, especially, you know, like. Long term, you can make good money as a firefighter or, you know, you get into like nursing or something like that. But if you're looking like if you're playing the back nine, as it were, like in my situation, you know, um, it's you have to really have a strong reason or passion to do it. So it was never a consideration as a career move for me. Um, And it was definitely just it was like I said, it's very much along the line of why train, you know, catch wrestling and and fighting and things like that. It's it's to be prepared and to, to make people safe around me. You know, I, 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 you know, even, you know, you mentioned kind of the, some of the extreme examples, like, you know, obviously we've got all the shootings that are going on, but I've had even just kind of casual incidents, at least two or three in the workplace where people have either, they've been in like a distressed situation, they've either collapsed or had, you know, really intense labored breathing. And I really didn't have an idea of what to do except, you know, call 911 and just kind of stand there paralyzed. And so, uh, to me, it's it's almost complementary to the self-defense aspect of the, the the thing of it is you know it's not always that I have to be violent. Sometimes you have to you know help in a positive way too. So it's all kind of and I, I have, I've probably said this before on the podcast, but I honestly feel that uh, especially at the EMT level, I mean they might have to censor a few things because it's pretty some of the stuff they show us is pretty graphic. But a, a censored version, I think everybody in high school should go through. It should be one of the required science classes. It's like an applied uh, a biology class almost, you know, it's, it's, it's not only like how does the body work, but what do, you, what do you do when something goes wrong? Or how do you identify what possible symptoms? It's just part of what I would think should be common knowledge. You know, if, if I'm starting to have symptoms of a stroke or symptoms of a heart attack or someone's out, you know, and it's hot outside, are they having heat stroke? All these little things that should be, I think if we disseminated that knowledge out there, we would just all be better for it. So I, yeah, I can't say enough for it. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's not necessarily easy. I mean, there's a lot of EMT schools in a, in a, you know, a large urban environment like the Chicagoland area, but even so there's a waiting list, you know, I was lucky. I kind of had a jump on mine. Uh, I was assuming I was going to be starting right now, actually based on the waiting list, but I I got like a last minute, Hey, do you want to start? Like it was a Friday and I got a, Hey, do you want to start Monday? If you can, we got a space. And so I jumped on it and in January, um, so, uh, yeah, unfortunately. So, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but I definitely feel it's just kind of like, so I've done some of the, you know, the outdoor survival camping skills. Again, I just think those are fundamental things that everybody, you don't have to be an expert in, uh, but it just should be part of your tool set and part of your experience, you know? Um, and like I said, in, in all those areas of my life, I, 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 you know, it seems like the more I get into it, the more I realize I need to get better at it or no more. Like I, I still is just, you know, um, maybe that's just the way my personality is, where I feel like, ah, oh, you know, I could be better at this or whatever. But um, at a minimum, I, I would highly recommend people seeking out like CPR training, things like that. Uh, it's just, it should just be, honestly, I, I, people shouldn't be able to graduate high school without that, you know, like a lot of other things. But, anyways, yeah, those are just kind of my thoughts on it and one of my motivations for doing it.
1: Well, you're a good intermediary now. If something happens anywhere, you can spring into action while the paramedics are there and the ambulance is on its way.
2: And yeah, and sometimes a few minutes can count, you know, or, or just being informed about like, should we wait here or should we try and get to the hospital? Little thing. I've seen people make the wrong calls on this and they, that it's been, uh, yeah. So uh, hopefully, hope, well, hopefully I'll never be in there, but if, if need be, yeah, that's the, that's the goal.
1: Yeah, CPR and first stage should be known by all. So what else is, uh, well, speaking of first aid, I could use it, man. My hip and my leg have been giving me so much problems that I've got a couple people that I need to film for and I can't film. I'm having a very rough go here. And now my back is, is you know, aching because, you know, you're compensating. So I got a seminar coming up. We're going to talk about that. Might as well talk about that right now. And uh, that seminar is coming up this month, June 26th. Uh, between the hours of 11 a.m. and 1 at the wrestling room at the Merner, M-E-R-N-E-R, Fieldhouse, North Central College in Naperville, Illinois. Um, this was uh, assembled, or whatever the word is, by um, Chuck May, who, who's a guest on here. And uh, well, I don't know Chuck has all the information. I don't have Chuck's information. I I don't do Facebook at all. I'll I'll never be back on Facebook. So uh, I would suggest anybody who's curious, post on this YouTube channel to Joe. And Joe can put you in touch with with Chuck because, you know, I I pretty much have washed my hands of the Internet as much as I can. So, uh, But, yeah, I look forward to getting back. That will be my first seminar in. We'll go before the the COVID, so quite a few years. And just, you know, I just need to get my hip. I could probably do deal with it, but now my back is hurting. So I gotta get that back going. Um so those of you who are waiting for videos for me, hang tight. I'll get to them, the tricy guys. I just don't want to put something out unless I'm moving moving well. Uh so that's pretty much it. So uh my mom caught COVID, which was what I was afraid of. She's vaccinated, so hopefully everything will be okay. They put her into isolation on Thursday for 10 days. Uh, That's the thing. You know, as long as she was with me, nothing happened. But now that she's in the nursing home, uh, whatever they technically call it, things happen. So uh, up and down, every day I get an automated call. I may get one during this podcast of the the count of how many people so far they've had over what did they say yesterday 220 some odd cases all all together there's not that many people at the place but you know the running tabulation so um yeah it's I, I can never I can't get in ever to get in there to see her. So how are you Brian?
3: Oh I'm I'm doing well you know, kids are just done with school last week. And, uh, so that's going to be interesting. I've got some, you know, camps, ages four and eight are my kids. So some small things lined up for them. Um, but a decent amount of, uh making sure they're not vegging out on the TV too much, you know, but my son may be doing some wrestling. We'll see. They just, the, uh, he did a little last spring. He's only four, but uh, our local high school program is very, very good. And um, they, he was able to jump in the tail end of uh, kind of their spring camp. Um, and, you know, there was like two other kids his age. So I guess the question mark is, is the uh, the summer recession, which is essentially just an open mat Monday evenings, um, trying to connect with a coach and see if there's other, uh, other ones that are. Roughly his age or size, um, you know, that make it beneficial. I mean, talking about a four-year-old here, so even something like a six- or seven-year-old is probably, like, beyond him for, for you know, a, a, a good training partner. But we'll see how that goes. It's exciting just that they're offering this, too, and it's, you know, free through the rec program there.
1: Good luck, man. Yeah, I, I do agree that, especially at that young of an age, you, you need somebody who's kind of closer in age and or body size for sure. Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe when you get older, it's, you know, teenagers, it's a little different, you know, again, it depends really on the individual, but.
3: Sure. And I wasn't even really like, um, gunning to get him in. I mean, four is very young, but he just is a very active, you know, kid and he seemed to really take to it. So I'm like, all right, we'll see what we can continue on with this. For sure. It's a
4: constant struggle, you know, as a as a parent to get the kids into doing something active that they're not going to like rebel against and get sick of because, uh, being in front of a computer is so attractive to them these days it 's not like all of us are older, and like being at home just suck. like I want it to be outside because being at home and doing homework and just uh, being bored and like that 's no longer the case. Being at home is the place to be so getting them out and about and involved in something active is a struggle. I see these conversations all the time with parents talking to coaches and coaches focusing on making things uh, accessible and fun for the kids so good luck, Brian. I hope, uh, I hope uh, Caleb likes it.
3: Thanks. Yeah, I, you're always competing now with the screen. That's really what it breaks down to.
4: It's a tough battle. Mm. And I also wanted to say that, uh, you know, for all his complaining, uh, Tony, if he shows up on a mat and he demos a move, it's 100%. <laughs> it's, like, unbelievable how, you know, we're all kind of old and, and uh, deteriorating as time goes on. But it's just unbelievable to me when Tony's uh, muscle memory is at such a high level that uh, when he executes something, it is absolutely a textbook version of what it should be. Yeah, Martin,
3: you you made it up there, didn't you, a few weeks back?
4: I I did, I did. Um, So we we did some filming. And uh, again, like I always tell Tony that like the the positions that he's able to still spring into are something that I never could do. And uh, at my advanced age, I would probably hospitalize myself. I would probably need Joe's EMT training to get myself (laughs) unpretzled.
1: No, you know, well, thanks. For, thanks. Uh, it's it, you, you know, probably muscle memory and mental memory because I, I've always said it's it's proper visualization techniques. So even if I'm not on the mat, I always visualize throughout the day. Nearly every single day, I take X amount of time—30 minutes, 45 minutes. Some not straight, but you know, in blocks, thinking of scenarios and visualizing doing it. Um, some, you know, you it's hard. You can't demo when you're by yourself, sometimes you need a, a partner to, to show the moves. Um, But yeah. It, it, and I think the difference between that and music, because music you're using, um, well, Joe's an EMT now. He should know the, cause it's escaping me now. The, 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 the fine motor skills. Um, I was going to
2: say those are called your fingers, Tony.
1: Yeah. Right. But th- those you have to actually utilize. Whereas when you're using more gross motor skill stuff or bigger, body parts as long as you're physically not um handicapped i mean you can retain it uh i think for me my style is is, has changed through the years you know i'm not going to be doing i'm not going to i'm not going to be doing things that i did when i was like i you know when my knees and back weren't so bad shit but conversely I'll do things now that I wouldn't have done back then. So it, it's a balance, but uh, no, you, you look good. We were filming for the membership site, you know, the uh, $10 a month thing. So we, we filmed a couple of months worth of stuff. And I like that, that we don't like film a year in advance because things come up. I think, you know, things in a real world or questions are submitted and we try to go from there. And we never, we basically just have a topic. And most of the time, I don't even bring it up. They, one of the, Joe or Brian or who's ever over, and we just go with it. Um, so it was, it was great to see Martin and see him back on the mat again. Uh, and yeah, you moved well. Martin did some head scissors stuff, which was his best, one of his best moves. Uh, and, you know, that's another thing. When we first met Martin, well, whoever, nobody said, oh, well, this guy's born to do head scissors. Of course not. Uh, And even throughout all all of his training, there was no indicator uh, because his body is not like, he's, he's average sized, right? Which is not an insult. I mean, he's just, you know, an average sized guy. So it's not like he's got these really long limbs, but somewhere along the way through his training, he just started to develop this thing with the head scissor Costa was with the double wrist lock. He just gravitated towards it. That was his thing that he focused on. Javier, we figured out because from day one, he just had, he loved to do leg locks. So we just tried to tighten them up and get them a little more advanced and move around it. And, and, and for him, because of his body size, you know, head scissors wouldn't be really the best move, but leg locks, he can get in on them. Uh, So, but others, you know, now, Brian, Brian is similar to Martin, you know, physically. Uh, And and Brian, you were one of those guys that just, you were, you were good at a lot of different things. Uh, Really, uh, leg locks, arm locks, you know, uh, head scissors, but everybody has their little niche. But Martin's is the head scissors for sure.
4: Just to uh, circle back to, legs, Martin. <laughs> yeah. uh, just to circle back to a little bit to what you were saying about like gross motor skills, like I, I think that having uh, some level of um, uh, wrestling or, or boxing or some like that type of sport, um, having some level of experience with that stays with you for a very long time. I was talking to some, some other father who was a competitive tennis player in um, California. He grew up in LA which means he got to play year round. And now that he moved to Chicago, he says like, it is absolutely detrimental to his tennis game to be not able to actually practice all year round because there is much finer motor skills involved in tennis. It's not like wrestling. It's not like boxing. You don't get to retain these movements that are big and solid and fundamental in tennis, like you do in wrestling. So like, You know, I I advise everybody to do some level of those kinds of sports in their life because it's just like an investment that pays off forever.
1: Well, that's a good point. And on that, we do, Martin and I train once a week via Zoom, uh, boxing and, you know, boxing and, and cardio, but the proper boxing, right? And the proper cardio, of course, but not cardio boxing where it's bullshit boxing moves. And, of course, Martin has this affinity for fitness, okay? Uh, Out of all the guys, Martin was the fittest, always was. You know, Um, he just has that thing. And it came back. He's, you know, been – he's got that fitness again. But his boxing was something that we never worked on in the past because the group, the hive mindset wasn't about striking so much. And then when we were at Triton, there was no, you know – no bags or anything, but Martin, his boxing has come a long way. Right. Um, and that again is just those motor skills of, uh, of doing it properly. It doesn't take, you know, a million years. It just takes a while. Everyone's different. So you can't like definitively say, Oh, in, in five lessons, but yeah, that's not if you, and if you just keep like rehashing in your mind, keep your chin down, keep your hands up, keep your elbows in, you know, throw a punch straight, bring it back the same way. Just re- remember all of this stuff. It's memorization. It's like for those of you who were religious or Catholic schools, you had to say your prayers, right? You said them so much. Maybe the, the words got lost on you as far as their meaning or the impact, but you remember all of them because you said them every day. So if you just run through these things every day, these basics of uh uh you know the, the physics behind everything that that in itself can give you a huge jump on things so uh for me as a coach doing this video coaching live um which is something that obviously we had we never did years and years ago you 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 know i have to i have to focus on it once in a while i'll tell martin okay wait a minute now you're dropping your hand or something and then he's easily then he create he corrects it immediately so yeah i i never heard it put the way martin just put it but yeah this these gross motor skill sports or or you know activities is important um even pool pool's probably more like tennis i mean not you know that extreme but you, you've got to get on the table there's a lot of things going on uh that you won't retain especially speed how hard you hit the ball so soft uh your stroke so I get it that makes a lot of sense thanks for bringing that up
3: That Tony that reminds me of because you know if you recall I was at the tool and die shop for a while and I went away to college finish up there for a couple of years and I but I would still come back and visit and so I remember one session and the group was already at the college, Triton College at the time. And, you know, I'd come back and go live with, with the guys. And then Bruce said something to the effect of like, what you're seeing now is our Brian's core moves. And essentially what that meant is if I went into a coma because I wasn't training, I wasn't training at college. I was playing rugby. I was still being active, but it wasn't, it'd be three months maybe even longer where I wouldn't be on the mat, you know? And that's what the idea being that like, if I was in a coma or come out of it, those are the ones that I would be, doing first like they're just there you know you've kind of got the ones that are just ingrained and others that are like kind of maybe ancillary if that's the right term or what secondary but you know those primary ones are the core ones so i thought that was an interesting concept it just reminds me that as we're talking here
1: wow that's yeah that's very insightful and you know now did you mean while you were saying that i was thinking of uh classic examples of that are boxers not wrestlers, but boxers who get put on Queer Street, right? You can see they're, in essence, almost out on their feet, but they're still fighting and they'll go instinct. And I think that's kind of what he was getting at. You know, instinctually, this these are the moves now for you, Brian, you know, whatever the moves were that, you know, are ingrained. I, I think the same probably for all of us. Uh, I know that when I'm not, when, you know, if I'm not actively wrestling somebody, And then I would get on the mat and just like, go for it. You know, I'm going to go for my moves, you know, the ones that I I like the most. That's So, yeah, that's another good point to bring up for people who are out there training. Um, Everyone identifies with their own set of, of strengths and weaknesses. And don't try to become necessarily a carbon copy. It's good to follow somebody, you know, to have that, you know, to aspire to be like such and such, but you may develop different strengths along the way that that, that other person um, for whatever reason didn't develop. And, and that's what makes everyone, I mean, look, look here, look at Tyson and Floyd Patterson. Now a lot of you guys probably never saw Floyd Patterson fight, but they had the same trainer, Customado Patterson. Of course, there's a physical difference size and power and all that. But they both fought differently. Same trainer, same style, technically. You know, the peekaboo, but they, you know, they're both completely different. Um, it's just how you know people develop differently.
3: On that note, there's the videos now. Last month or so, they were released on YouTube. Him and Henry Cejudo from the UFC. So they were filmed recently. Of you know, and based on Tyson's age, you could tell where he's basically coaching the peekaboo and showing clips. And, and I don't know how much Tyson's training now, but he still, he still moves around. He still looks yeah. good. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's down to his bones if you think about it, you know, the, the muscle memory and the things he can do even at, you know, that what's now basically advanced age for him.
4: Well, even, even more extreme example, we've talked about this before, this clip that I sent to uh, Tony of Rocky Lockridge laying out some bum in front of Seven <laughs> Eleven. I mean, this guy was out of boxing forever and he was, you know, addicted to drugs for a period of time. He, but he throws an excellent right hand and I don't think he knows how to throw a crappy one anymore.
1: Yeah, no, he jabbed and cried. Craw- yeah, it was, it was as if, it was as if he never stopped by, you know, it was like he just came out of the gym. Uh, you know, and of course, he'd have broken down. In, in, a, in, a, in an actual sparring match or something, because, you know, his fitness probably wasn't there. Um, and boxing is a instantaneous kind of sport. You know, you drop your hand for a split second because of fatigue or for whatever, you get clobbered, that could be the end of it. But uh, you don't really – many times you don't have a chance to regain your yourself. That was a really great clip to see um, because, you know – he did what he had to do. And and granted it wasn't against the toughest guy in the world, but it doesn't matter. Uh, He, he, he ended it quickly and he was ready to pounce too. If the guy got up, he was set to go some more and, you know, he didn't, he didn't have to.
4: His skills were still there. So that that's, you know, to, to give another plug to your video coaching stuff. Like I'm hoping we've, we've been doing this for six months now. I'm hoping that eventually I'll get to the point where I'll never be, throwing a bad you know jab or a or a bad hook like we'll just work it out of my system to the point where yeah i'm not going to be a boxer but i am going to have a competent jab and i'll never lose that ability which is different than like golf or tennis where you know if you don't practice you'll shank it or you'll slice it you'll do those things that just require a finer level of uh, of motor skills
1: well i can make you a guarantee if you keep up with it, you'll either look like Rocky Lockridge or you'll look like the other guy, okay? So it's one or the other. So make sure you look like Rocky Lockridge. Keep keep just the fundamentals, the basics. Just, you know, all you saw there from Rocky Lockridge was, if I remember now, it was a jab and then he dropped into his, you know, he did a drop stance and he came across with the right hand. That was it, okay? Uh, And that was all it took. He didn't have to move or shuck or anything like that. He I'm sure he could still do all of that at the, well you know he he passed away now, but at that point in time uh he would have been able to still do all that so yeah, that's why I tell everybody man, and I've said it for years these people who want fancy moves or show me something new. I'm here to help you I'm not like you know I'm not an entertainer as far as a song and dance man you gotta master the fundamentals, master the science behind it, and uh quit and this goes for everybody, not anybody in particular, quit trying to do the flamboyant wild stuff because you may get lucky. I mean, honestly, it's like a lottery ticket. You, you may get the winning ticket, but more times than not, it's a loser. And you're putting yourself out there. You're putting yourself at great risk. You're expanding a lot of energy. Uh, so, you know, keep it simple and keep it very effective. Then work on your brain, find different ways to um take like take the simplest move and find different ways to make it work as opposed to not or as opposed to trying to find a completely different move. If you worked on that, you know, your your setups or your uh you know your feints or whatever, and become creative, you'll just dis- you'll start developing things that nobody in the world has ever done. Okay, same move but done in a way that's never been done before. And you'll be remembered more for that than a flash, flash in a pan move that looks great on YouTube, but falls apart against anybody with any athleticism and, and the will to kill. So that's always been my, my thing. Uh, And my coach, I mentioned this before, many times, I'm sure. The first move he ever taught me as opposed to show me was the top wrist lock. Well, I became enamored with that move to the point of that's all I did for the longest period of time. I got so good at it that, I mean, cause I was putting everything else behind, you know, so I just cared about that move and I saw it in my sleep you know. <laughs> and I became so reliant on it. He said, stop. Okay. Go on, move on. Okay. Uh, quit or do it in a different way. Quit just doing it the same way all the time. Be a little bit more creative because I forgot the word he said or the expression, but I was basically, um, like a one trick pony, but not just one move. Just, I always attempted to try to pretty much do it in in the same couple of ways. So broaden your horizons, I think is what he said or something like that. He probably, he, it was half English, half Polish, I'm sure. But, uh, but really, later, I mean, I became like a leg lock guy. That was my thing. I wanted to do leg locks, leg locks. But this is like I talk about wrestling submission-wise. I really like the le- leg locks. Um, and uh, I have a twist. I mean, of course, chokes were relatively simple. But my 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 thing was, because of the shit that I was raised in, I wanted the people that were messing with me to feel everything that was happening both physically and emotionally. So putting them to sleep was kind of like doing them a favor and I didn't want to do them any favors. I wanted them to be conscious when their limbs were getting snapped. That's psychotic perhaps, but that's how I felt. Um, And that was why I'm like, chokes are simple, especially back then people didn't protect their necks. No, I want this person to um, have some lasting damage here.
3: Yeah, Tony, you touched on something that I think is pretty important. I and mean, there are a lot of flashy moves on YouTube, and there's a lot of great information, obviously, too. But one thing that um I've seen, and these are by people that are, you know, purported catch wrestlers, is you'll see these combination moves. And they're sometimes done within the context of the scramble, which I totally get because there's gonna be some you do this, this person does this, you do this. But in some cases they're doing like three, four moves offensively to get to the finish. Um, Whereas we, you know, coming and visiting you in you know, in recent years, you're doing like one, one and a half and getting to the finish. Even if the guy moves a little bit, it didn't matter. You would, you know, it's a slight tweak as opposed to a full on like positional shift change. It's it's kind of hard to explain. I know I talked a little bit about this when we were, you know, training, but um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it looks very cool and I'm not, I don't want to say that's the totality of what that instructor is showing, but a lot of what um, people are doing is almost like inefficient or a lack of economy kind of emotion when it comes down to it. Cause I mean, you want to go quickly and you want to go fast.
1: Yeah. Point, I, do I don't know. Cause I don't watch these videos, but I, it reminds me of the uh, Indiana Jones when the guy's doing all of his fancy moves whatever. And he just pulls the gun out or whatever it was and shot, him, shot him. I don't remember now, but yeah you don't there's you don't want to take the long way around because it wastes gas you know meaning your your body fuel uh and the longer you take to get to to the finish, the more exposure you're giving yourself okay which is bad um so when you go up against somebody who's high level uh you're not going to be able to pull those those moves off your those massive three four Thing, it's not going to work. Um, you may catch somebody now and then by surprise, but when you enter, now this is, again, I don't know these people, so I'm not attacking them, but when you're in that world and, and everybody in your gym, let's say, is trying to do that same kind of style, well, all right, everybody's the same, so somebody's cream's going to rise the, to the top. But when you start traveling to different places or going up against other people, uh, that's when you tend to get exposed. I saw one clip, a few, I don't know how long, This, like probably this year, of some tournament, and one kid was calling himself a catch wrestler. He, he was getting like barbecued in the YouTube clips because he wasn't doing that bad, but then he tried something like Brian's you know, um, alluding to, tried some fancy move, and of course, the people weren't just bashing because he got submitted. He wasn't just bashing the, the guy. Of course, they're bashing catch wrestling. Well, that shit that that kid was doing was not catch wrestling. His coach may be calling it that. It's not. Um, wrestlers, real wrestlers, um, catch wrestlers would never have done that. It, it's it's weird, okay? I, I Again, like Brian, I can't quite explain it, but it's gotten a bad reputation because of these people who are trying to pull off this, you know, to be the Jackie Chan of wrestling or something, uh, that's not the way to do it, okay? You've got to be foundation. Your foundation has to be strong and use core moves, deep science, and, and be careful when you try these fancy things. It's to, to show off in the gym is one thing, you know, or to experiment just because you have a thought. But when you try to do it in competition or you try to do it in a life or death scenario, you're really putting yourself at risk. That's just my take. That's not my style of, of coaching. And that's probably why at my age, I'm still able to produce. Um, I couldn't pull off some of these crazy moves. um, At this age, you know, even if I wanted to, because it's, it's it's more acrobatics than it is you know fighting
2: how do you um differentiate what we're talking about from what you would describe as chain wrestling though
1: well chain is a logical here this is this is how i uh, approach it i don't chain you chain okay so brian said this, these guys are doing three to four moves to get to the finish. I'm going to make you do the moves to get to the finish. Okay. So my movement is going to be so subtle or so um indiscriminate, you know, just imperceptible. You're going to make the, the counter move and, and spring the trap yourself. Okay. You're, you're going to bring the move to me. So, there's the huge difference. Um, I understand how the body moves. So a lot of guys, I don't want to mention names, good guys, but they'll chain on a limb, for example, top wrist lock to straight arm bar to double wrist lock. Okay. That's cool. But that's not, not normally how the the body is going the the opponents going to react. Uh, They're going to be using, unless they're a fish, They're going to be putting their whole body into it. So it can become very like a crapshoot. Whereas if you're ripping logically while you're doing this, you know how you're going to get that guy to, to move. Okay. You know what his reaction is going to be. So therefore I'm never really at all putting myself at risk. You're making those three or four moves like Brian was talking about so I can spring the trap. Um, and you guys, even when I'm wrestling, you guys, you probably don't know it unless you really watched the video or if we filmed it. If you watched it in review, you're like, oh shit, Tony did this or Tony, when Tony moved three inches that way, uh, I must have thought he was getting up or I must have thought he was switching positions and that's how he caught me. Yeah, it, it's, it's me doing subtle things and never. So that's how I chain. And, and again, I chained the whole body. So I might be fighting your arm, but in my head, I'm I want to go for your neck or your face or, you know, a knee, or an ankle. But instead of me going from the top of your body all the way down to your toes, uh, I'm going to make your toes come to me. So there's the difference. I hope that makes sense.
2: It does, and it's and I like I can think of examples, and I think the idea of switching targets too is is um, I mean it's it's interesting because Brian's observation of there's kind of this tension, especially the way you describe fighting is you don't want it to be a protracted fight. You've got to think that the clock is running, right? Because we're thinking in terms of self-defense. So I don't want a a several minute grappling match to set up a finish. You know, if I'm, especially if I'm in a street situation, if I'm down there, I've got to think, I've got one or two things and I've got to finish this guy quickly. You know, because I think a lot of, I think one of the things you preach against is so often we get in this competitive mind set where I've got the clock running and I, you know, I can stall for time or whatever. And that's counter to what is, safest for you in, in a self-defense situation where you, you might have, you know, like you might think I need to finish this in 30 seconds, whatever he gives me. Um, I'm starting to lose my train of thought here, not having a senior moment. But um, the, the idea of like a lot of times <clears throat> if I'm, you know, if, I'm, if I've got someone in a certain pin, I can threaten a choke. And I know they will be so panicked about defending that. They know enough to know I'm going for a choke. They can sense it coming. But they, and to defend it, they're actually going to open up their arm, you know. So I like I can sense they're going to try and get their arm out of this head and arm triangle or whatever, and it's going to fly right into what I need to to do a top wrist lock on it. Um, and so that, I mean, is that kind of an example of chain wrestling? And, and I guess also combinations that are because there's certain they're not necessarily fancy moves, but you're trying to to use like simple kind of. Uh, high percentage moves to set up other ones
1: yeah that's pretty much it i guess but i to to stick with brian's three to four move thing i can think of three or four moves ahead easy but it depends you know meaning i want you like okay i like this head head and arm thing you're saying okay you go for the arm bar then you go for the choke or uh or you know side choke or he rolls over then you got a rear choke that kind of thing if that's what you're alluding to, I'm on the same page, but the point is you're the guy that's doing most of the movement. Okay. I'm not, okay. I'm not putting myself at risk. So that to me is how I always look at it. Uh, and when you get more advanced, you can start influencing what limbs I want, you know, or what, what limbs you want, uh, to attack. So the other thing is the uncomfortability Uh, of the opponent if he's constantly uncomfortable he he's got to make adjustments so the more adjustments you make make him the more adjustments he has to make he's going to gas out quicker he's going to panic and he's going to create the opening right there is a chain okay it's not a technical chain but it's a chain of events that you must have happen and all of this factors into what i do So that's why through the years, everybody's like, man, Tony taps people out so quickly. He's got all these different submissions. It's not even the different submissions. It's, yeah, I tap people out quickly because I'm not wrestling like the rest of the world. I'm attacking you completely differently. uh, And it it creates a psychological situation in you, all right, where you're not really going to have time to sit there and get into your game it's over. You got to play my game until either I blow out or something happens, uh, to my, to my detriment, you know? So it's, again, my style may not be for everybody. Um, some people may like that more, uh, you know, superfluous, you know, uh, 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 a way of doing it, but the real the real deal of it all was never like that. Okay. I don't think you can imagine some of these great wrestlers doing these moves. It's just wouldn't, you know, I, I don't, I don't even know how to, I, I honestly can't put it into words because it's a strange concept to me. Some of the moves obviously came from professional performance wrestling, which, you know, is that's good. It's good for that because it's entertainment. But some of these moves are just, I give them an A for thinking outside of the box, but it it has to be reeled in a little bit because you're, you're just, you're blowing yourself out. You're making risks that you shouldn't make. And, you know, and it reflects bad, not on you even necessarily, but on the style, which 25, 30 years ago, when I kicked all this catch wrestling stuff off on the internet, I was the only guy really teaching it, you know. Uh, So they didn't see these kind of moves because I wouldn't want anybody to do those kind of moves. They don't work. They're they're a small percentage. So it's just a different thing.
4: I also remember when we had uh, people training for their UFC fights that came through and they would immediately try to get like a solution for a particular hold. <clears throat> and the solution always involved getting out of the hold when it was on. And I remember you, you know, there are tips and, and things that you can do to try to fight out of it, but that's already like a battle you've lost. And you would always rewind it to like, well, you shouldn't be in this position to begin with. It's not that you need to come up with this miracle cure you shouldn't be this sick. Yeah, and then like, we had these long discussions about, you know, how, how do you avoid getting into this rather than how do you get out of this? Which there may not be that many
1: options. Right. It's like blocking a punch once it's already landed. Right. It's And that's the big thing, okay? Um, if you think you have the solution, I have this move that can get me out of, you know, such and such an arm lock. You're you've lost the battle. You know, yeah, you want to get into that dominant, it, it's such a backwards chain. And what it means is you have to be the dominant force. Okay. There's so many steps along the way before a, a person puts that submission hold on you that if you if you don't see these moves that he's he or she's doing before the, the hold is on, then you have a lot of studying to do. Okay. You're not ready for the big time. And that's the point I I'm I'm trying to make. Uh yeah, there's no miracle cure. Sure. I know things. Oh, here, like I don't know. I think it was Brian Deneve. Somebody on the podcast was saying, Tony, we could put Tony in a straight arm bar, and we could never tap him out. He he could counter that. He could, you know, the straight arm bar was ineffective well why was that well it it, it wasn't it was because of all the preparatory stuff that i did to get myself get my tendons and things um prepared for that it wasn't a little difference yes there was a there was a thing that i did as well but if i just showed you the thing that i did wasn't going to work okay because your body still had to be conditioned to do that. So this adds up to what Martin is alluding to. Don't just look for a trick to get out of the, the submission. Find out why did I get in the submission to begin with? How can I prevent the guy from putting it on me? That's what I want. That's what I want to hear. And that I can show you. And but it's gonna take work. You know, it's not gonna happen in five minutes uh, normally. So there's no shortcuts guys. Uh, How do I block Mike Tyson's punch? Well, first of all, you got to be shape. <laughs> Secondly, you know, don't be in front of him. Third, have the angle. So if it does land, you know, it, it's not going to be as effective. Fourth, don't drop your other hand. If you're blocking the one punch, because you'll counter. So it, there's so much to it. Showing how to block the technical block is easy, but it's not going to work because you don't have the other skills. A long-winded answer, but that's the answer
0: Yeah,
4: I, I remember in particular, um, the, the cases that I uh, witnessed were to do with like a double wrist lock, right and you know this was to prepare against a, for a fight against a, a, a fighter that was had a streak of victories with a double wrist lock. And, you know, the fundamental kind of defense against that was just don't let him have it. Like what, what happens that he gets into it, and gets it so deep that it becomes a successful hold. And it's basic wrestling counters that we ended up reverting to, you know, yeah. outside of these, these tricks that you can utilize to help you minimize or, or try to escape out of it. But, but better defense is never get into it to begin with.
1: Yeah, and, and it worked for him. He never, he never got submitted with a That's shot. correct. So, That's right. right. That's I, right. I mean, it absolutely it, worked. Right. But here's the thing. Let's say there's a miracle trick, right? Here's how to get out of it. Well, now your opponent, if, again, we're going to give your opponent credit that your opponent is, is, is sharp or his corner men are sharp. Well, if he gets you in that move again, he know you've already blown your, you've shot your wide, okay? You've shown how the trick is done, so to speak. So now the opponent knows, okay, if I put him in, Let's say that double wrist lock. Here's what he's going to do to counter it. So I'm going to make sure that he doesn't do that counter. Whereas if you block it or change it, don't even let the guy get that double wrist lock on to begin with. He's going to be like, shit, man, I can't get my best move on this guy. I got to come up with something else. Okay. And, and, And that's what it's all about. You want to make yourself as impenetrable as possible. Um, reverting back to boxing for just a brief moment. It's like when you can't land a solid punch on your opponent, it gets frustrating. Therefore, as the clock's running out, you're going to get desperate. Okay. And you're going to start throwing wild haymakers. They may land, but odds are you're going to open yourself up to get knocked out by a counter punch. Same thing here with the grappling. You're going to get so – flustered because literally nothing's working so when you are able to counter his moves immediately uh you can immediately put him on 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 the defensive and launch your attack so it's just a different way of looking at it it's very actually it's very proactive i think but there is something i do want to add when joe Was talking about you know this and that about time. One of the things that I used to do, and I still do this almost every day, especially when I'm in the kitchen, doing a couple things at the same time. You should all wrestle or box or spar and set a time limit, say out loud before the round starts or whatever it is. Say to whomever, the timekeeper, say 30 seconds, for example, and the timekeeper keeps his mouth shut. All right. Now you're doing your thing, but in whatever it is you're doing with the, with your, your training partner, keep that 32nd clock in your head, get that timing down. And then immediately, no matter what position you find yourself in say, stop when you think you're at 30 seconds and the timekeeper will tell you it was 20 or it was 45. Okay. I do that when I'm doing multiple things in the kitchen. I'll try to keep an uh, an internal clock going. A lot of it it may come a little bit easier for me because of my music, but this is another excellent way that everyone can train themselves. Um, So like you can do it sitting on your couch. Let's say you're, I don't know. uh, Let's say your buddy calls you on the phone. If you can get another clock with a second clock on it, just talk normally, but in the back of your mind, you got that—you got your internal time clock going—and and think to yourself, "All right, at forty-five seconds, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at my phone or look at the other clock, the time, the, the stopwatch, and see how close you get." Because it, it helps you in a way—you're not really necessarily thinking the two things at once per se, but you you're getting that internal clock going, which in a street fight especially. Uh, well probably in competition but in street fights it's it's very important that you don't hang around too long uh and if shit's not going your way get out of dodge you <laughs>
4: know yeah and we've talked about this before but there is an infinitely interesting uh event when george foreman boxed i think was it three guys back to back or maybe it was four so it was either three guys four minute round, four rounds each or or four guys three rounds each. And it was just like a, there's so much to unpack there. But I thought it was really fascinating um, how some of those guys obviously had a smaller window of time to work in than George Foreman. George Foreman was in it for basically like 12 rounds of a workout. But these guys, given the clock that they had in their head, some of them were like balls out. I'm going to go get the champ. This is my chance. And then some of them were like, I'm going to ride out the clock and say that I've been there with the champ. It was a very like different approach to the same amount of time from different people based on their objective.
3: I, I vaguely, I remember that. It was four or five Before days. you answer that, I got to step out. So I just want to say goodbye. Hey, good
1: to, good to see you. Yeah, thanks,
3: right, thanks for joining. Nice. Thank you very much. Thank Bye. you, Brian. Bye.
1: Uh, One of the boxers that he fought was a guy named Terry Daniels. I do not, I do not remember the other guys anymore because you know me with the names, but uh, yeah, that would have been an interesting thing to talk to George about, but in it, you, yeah, you, 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 you you see, now that's a whole different phenomenon because you're going to go up against fresh guys, right? Granted, they're not individually. They're not at your level, but you're going to go up against freshness. So after the four rounds or whatever it was, if, if it went four rounds, George has got to, you know, he's going up against the new guy. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. But there is that internal clock that all of us are born with, all of us have, and you can develop it. Uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's something that you can mess around with, like I said, in your living room uh figure out a way to let's say you're watching tv and you really get it's like when you get so involved so focused that you forget about the clock think about that as a street fight you're so focused that you're no longer you got tunnel vision you're no longer aware of your surroundings and the next thing you know you're you're in a whole world of shit uh somebody's going to knock you out or stab you or shoot you or something Uh, timing is so important. There's two kinds of, there's timing in the fight, but then there's time, the concept of time. And you, you, you cannot mess around with that. You've got to get these things over with quickly. And, you know, the quickest way is like we were talking earlier about when I'm chaining, let's say I don't want to have to be doing all the movements that's a long way for me to travel. Whereas, if I do a little bit of movement, you're doing movement. All of a sudden, now we're we're multiplying the factors here, so it'll happen quicker. So, if you start thinking along those ways, how can I make him move? You're going to be a much better fighter. That's what I call control. I'm making you do things that you probably that you don't even know you're doing. Okay. Uh, this happens a lot in, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, psych psychological, uh, like people do, you know, uh, I don't, you know, just, they, they make you do things. Next thing you know, you're in deep. Okay. Uh, and we have all done this in relationships, you know, you, you do something to a, a buddy, to a guy you know, you keep doing things, all of a sudden he becomes your friend or he becomes your enemy. Or if it's a woman thing, you're, she loves you now because you did things to create that, that loving environment. Well, this is how you have to be in a fight. You know, you got to create these situations. You've got to control the person. You got to become a control freak, you know, and learn how to control that person as opposed to just, just yourself alone. But the only way you can control somebody first and foremost is to learn to control yourself. We mentioned this a lot in my videos. But then once you control your body, now unleash it, start controlling your opponent, his mind and 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 his body. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that that's uh that's an interesting
4: aspect to all those those things. Um, Joe, anything you wanted to add on on this uh, kind of a thing like I always th- thought it was kind of fascinating how uh, people manage their their energy and and uh, focus over the course of this period of time because you know there is a lot of things out of your control that happen in a, a you know sports environment like you know the, the guy might be you see that in boxing all the time like there is rounds that are super active and rounds that aren't. And I always thought it was kind of an interesting phenomenon, right? Like, why isn't it always all go and then we can just be done after five rounds? But that's not necessarily where some people are at their best. Maybe, maybe they're slow starters or, um, you know, um, better and at the finish line.
2: And, Tony, I don't know if he agrees with me, but this is the difference between kind of self-defense or real fighting, if you will, and, and sportive fighting. Because, yeah, I don't think if those same two – boxers got into a fight on the street it's going to go x amount of rounds you know uh they would probably be have the, the you know the same idea that time is of the essence and and, and so it's it's weird because you you kind of train for the sport you know like whether it's a grappling match that's going to you know last several minutes um but you would never want and it's good for conditioning too and so like it is tough because i think if you spend a lot of your time I mean, it's an interesting question, and something to think about when you're training, because like, let's say I'm in a position where I know there's a couple of pins, you know, the way Tony shows how to pin, you know, either lateral press or head and arm, that when I put people in them, I know I'm tiring them out. They're going to sit there. I can just feel it. You know, if I fought my way to that pin, I'm going to catch my breath and let them struggle hard. You know, this is their time to burn energy. I don't know if I that, but again, that's because I have the luxury of time in a training scenario or a competitive scenario. Um, I might do that, but maybe at a micro level. So maybe, you know, strategically, okay, I'm gonna let maybe just a few seconds to let them really, you know, kind of flail and try and get out and then go for whatever, you know, finishes or setups I have from there. Um, so it is kind of different. Yeah. Cause I definitely, Especially because I think I've always, I'm kind of the opposite of you where, well, for a couple, couple reasons, as far as conditioning, you know, I've, I've even, even when I've built up my conditioning outside of like grappling, um, I think I have a habit of doing things like holding my breath. So I make it worse for myself, you know, so I gas myself out even when I'm in a good position sometimes. And so I have to be very deliberate about watching my breathing and things. Uh, so I'm always kind of trying to conserve my energy in, in like, if I've got a position where I know they're going to struggle and I've got, a, have got a several minutes to go or whatever, even a few minutes, I'll be like, okay, let him work, you know? And that's, that's probably, I've got to definitely separate that in my mind from when I'm like, if I'm in a, in a really like dangerous situation, there's no more, you know, time for that game. I've got to be, it's got to be kind of almost like a wind sprint maybe with slight moments of catching my breath, if I haven't been able to take this person out yet. So I don't know, it's kind of a, a wandering answer. But as far as kind of the, the pace of a fight, um, it, there's definitely, I think, two very different areas when it's sport and self-defense. I don't know, Tony, any, do you have any thoughts about that?
1: Well, first, when you were talking about pins, really, you're, 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 you're using generic, because they're hold downs, because you're, you're, you're planning on holding them there.
2: Right, um, And yeah, a pinning.
1: Uh, yeah, and I do the same thing. I call it pins, but it's not. Uh, just like chokes, really, or strangles, and whatever, it is depending on how you're doing it. Uh, sorry sorry
4: to, to interrupt, Tony, but I'm going to drop off as well. I'll listen on, but I, I'm, I'm going to have to end my well, th- participation.
2: Well, thank you for joining. It was great having yeah. you on.
1: Okay, awesome. Martin, see you okay. soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I when I do my thing, people are like, man, he's a blur. Well, I do this thing where I'm 20, roughly 20 seconds full blast, 15 seconds where I'm resting a little bit, moving 20 more, 15 less on off. But it gives you the impression that I'm constantly going full blast when I'm not. Okay. Uh, I go on off, on off. Um, and I vary it. This is of course, I, this is when I was fit fit. Um, but you have to have an assessment. See, here's the thing, especially in a street fight. Well, even in a combat sport, You have to have good awareness, okay? Sometimes guys get into the thing where I want to use my move on him. You know, I want to use my hip throw if that's what you're known for. Or I want to get that double leg. And sometimes you get so wrapped up in that that you're missing all these other opportunities. And it happens to the best of them, right? You get that that tunnel vision. And now you're fighting, let's say in a time limit match. Now you're, now you're fighting the clock too. So for me, I just always wanted to um, uh, put my will out there. You know, I wanted to impose my will on the guy. And I knew growing up that I knew more moves than anybody. I mean, now grappling is more popular and, not just because of me, but, you know, in general, BJJ and other guys. But, you know, uh, s- still, even though people know the moves now or most of the moves, they don't know the approaches or the applications yet either, okay? So there, you, could, you could still be at an advantage. People are opening themselves up anytime you watch any match, including mine, Anything, anytime you see me. You're always vulnerable to something. It's got to make sure that that vulnerability that you give isn't deadly to you. So my advice to guys like yourself or others who are struggling with their conditioning or this match is taking too long is you look at the broader picture. Okay. What did you miss? Because I guarantee you, you did. I'll guarantee you, you did. Without mentioning names, we saw two big shots or I did. And I mentioned it to you privately, you know, Grappling for whatever it was, 15 minutes. And the, the blown opportunities were staggering. And they didn't, for whatever reason, have that field of vision. They were, they were folk, narrow, narrow focused. I don't know what they were focused on. Didn't talk to them about it. But to miss one opportunity is okay. But when you're missing dozens, uh, there's a strategy problem here. There's a Overall, knowledge issue. Okay, you, you've got to start approaching fighting differently. Uh, the body's big; there's a lot of vulnerable spots, you know. And if, if you're not capitalizing on it, uh, you you you're doing something wrong. And and many times, people will tend to give their opponents more credit than it's due. Okay. Um, I learned this, this, what I just mentioned, a uh, shooting pool when, uh, years ago, you know, so I lost some guy, this or that, and after it was all over and done with, and I told him, you're a really good shot. He's like, no, you're a better player than me. I'm like, no, I'm not. He's like, yeah, you made some blunders. Okay. You made some tactical errors. You shot for the wrong balls. All right. You should have went this way, this way, as opposed to the way you went. And I'm like, shit. That's right. Because I wouldn't have fought if him. You know, if I had to fight fight this guy, I wouldn't have fought him physically, the way I shot pool. I did the fancy, sh- not the fancy moves, but I I took the long way around, like Brian was alluding to earlier. The three, four moves, I took the long way. Uh this is regarding shooting the shooting pool. So most of the time it boils down to us. If we lose, it's, it's because of us. I mean, unless you, unless you're just a beginner or half-ass and you're just, you know, try going up against the champ. Well, you're still, it's, it's still you, (laughs) you know, yeah, the champ was better at all of those things, but he was only better at all those things because of you, because you weren't as good as him. So really it always boils back down to us. It's all on us. And some people rise to the occasion. Yep, I'm going to get better. I'm going to do better. I, 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 I. Others are like, oh, you know. And there are things that I'll never be the best at or really even any good at. So I don't care in that regard if I don't perform well or I just won't even try to do it. But in a street fight, you don't have that luxury. You know, it may be cast upon you. And then you got to rise to the occasion, man it's it's hard for me to put it into words joe because all of us have different life experiences and and different coaches or just different things and um you know now the last couple decades has been um you know with the mma stuff and and the chance of winning a title the fame the glory the money or whatever all of that motivating factor. Well, none of that was in around in my day. So maybe if that was in my day, I would have wanted to be a bit more flamboyant and more of an entertainer and have like a more exciting style. Uh, I mean, I'm just speculating. I don't, I don't know, but I'd like to have thought how like Mike Tyson was in the beginning? He was just blasting through these guys in a couple rounds, you know, because uh, he was so efficient and effective. And I'm not kind of trying to compare myself to Tyson in that regard, but I'm just trying to say that my philosophy was was like that and always had been. It actually predated Mike Tyson because I'm older and I started this before anybody ever heard of Tyson. And it was get this shit over with as fast as it. Is as you can and and you'll still come out looking good all right <laughs> so whatever
2: yeah i think in a competition even if something isn't flamboyant if it's quick people especially in a combat thing you know a quick knockout especially if you're or a, a quick tap out people respect the skill in that even if it doesn't look fan you know fancy i'd imagine if you have a string of very uh, quick victories uh you know that it's hard not to be impressed by that even if it doesn't look pretty per se um you know if it's just uh efficient and machine like there's still i think at least people in the know but in general i mean you say first round knockout that that gets some respect from people you know (laughs) even if it wasn't from a spinning back kick or something um
1: yeah but again everybody's got their own personal flair their own personal style you know um i'm you know, I was more of a workhorse kind of guy. I just wanted to get it over with. I, I had the ability or I had the, I had speed. Okay. That was the biggest uh, physical trait I had was speed. Whereas Rod Von had that, that incredible strength, which I knew was unattainable for me. Uh to hit that level of strength. Uh, for me, it was, I had speed. Let's work on the speed thing that that's, that's what, what, that's what I did, you know? And then along the way I developed strength, but I tried to make sure that it didn't like, I didn't become like fairly strong. And now because of me being fairly strong, I'm fairly fast. I couldn't have that. I always wanted to be, you know, really fast and then maybe lose some speed, but I really don't think I did. Um, I probably, of course, I mean, it it, was, it may have been imperceptible, but because of my heavier weight, as I got bigger and stronger, but I also learned how to move better, okay? Because when you're fast and you're flying around, sometimes you get so caught up in moving so quickly that you don't take the most economical uh, way. Uh, so then I had to start working on that. So overall, it worked for me, uh, but I've... I've seen guys m- much bigger, stronger. You know, they'll never have the speed. So you work with their tools. You work with their strength and their their size. And you make their make them use their weight against someone to slow them down. Like somebody my size that's quick, you you, you would try to teach him to utilize the weight so it 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 gets me tired, wears you down. But you know, when it comes to a street fight, you don't know any of that going in unless you, you happen to have a a grudge with somebody and you run into them. So you just have to kind of impose your will. And that's where being good at your techniques, having a, having a, a big field of vision where you can look at the guy's weaknesses, um, and assess them quickly. I think that's very important. I think, I think that at, at times is, is really overlooked in my opinion. And, uh, So that's why I don't follow along like Brian and maybe Martin watches all these videos. I don't, because I come from, I come from a different world. It's a language that I don't understand. Um, And I'm just not into it. I don't, I'm never going to change the way I teach. I'm never going to change the way I fight and I'm never going to, while I can certainly appreciate their athleticism and their, their drive and their this and that, I'm never going to be a fan of that style. I can appreciate everything that went into it but I'm, I'm not going to like it. I know that going in because I've already, you know, I've well, we've, we've had those types come through the gym and it doesn't work out for them. They get snuffed and, you know, it's easy to counter that stuff.
2: Well, before we sign off, and I was kind of hoping we'd have the other guys here, but wish you kind of a day early happy birthday,
1: Tony, just to the audience. Yeah, uh, yeah. tomorrow, so I'll be out of the loop tomorrow. My buddy Scott um, wants me to get over to his house first thing in the morning. I got a feeling we're going to go to the city, but I don't know. I have no idea. I could be completely wrong. Uh, yeah, thanks. It's just another old day older, but uh, I'll be 58 tomorrow. And it's hard for me to believe that I started this at 13 years of age. It'll be 45 years that, to catch wrestling. And it'll be 40, well, really 50 years from when I had my very first boxing lesson. I was eight years old, I believe it was. Could have been younger, but I say eight with my grandfather, but then 10 with uh, Coach Snyder. Um, so however you want to look at it, long ago. It's, it's just hard for me to believe. But I mean, I thank you for the for the birthday wish. Um This is not going to be, this is going to be one of the saddest birthdays ever uh, because of my mom, uh, because of just everything in general. And we're coming up 4th of July, five years that Kevin got killed in the plane crash.
2: I can't believe it's been five years. Five
1: years, yep, since the gym is gone and Kevin with the plane crash. So this is going to be, um, I mean, the number 58 does not bother me. I don't, I don't care about any of that shit. It's just that there's really not a lot to celebrate. Uh, you know, there just isn't. So, hopefully, tomorrow I can put a positive spin on it. And then I want to get my heat hip and, you know, feel a little better so I can film for these people. Uh, so, please bear with me, folks. It, sometimes things happen. But yeah. So, anyway, thanks. And I hope people in the listening audience, if you want to come down to Naperville. Um, Maybe Joe can put up a link or something and just do it. It would be great to have you at the seminar Uh, and uh, it would help me out and it will help you out. And what I, what I want to do is if we get a crew, a core, a crew, a core, a crew, whatever, how you ever want to word it, then I can start putting together a a street fighting oriented curriculum where, you know, we're going to start at step one, you know, movement, stance, this and that, uh, strategies and, and, and science behind everything and vulnerable spots and, you know, all of that shit, uh, do a lot of stuff on the feet, not just on the ground, uh, especially when it comes to street fighting, it's more anti-grappling than anything. And then your grappling is going to be explosive and, but yeah, that would be great. That's coming up June 26th. And, uh, but yeah, thanks for everything, Joe. And I'm glad that you got your thing going with the, with the EMT. And and yep, everybody, uh, we will see you next week. The good Lord willing and the Creeks don't rise. And Joe, anything you have to say closing?
2: No, I think this is a really interesting discussion we had. I really glad we had it. And yeah, like I said, early happy birthday to you, coach. All
1: right. Thanks. See you guys. (laughs) Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba